Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. Oh, and a good Tuesday afternoon to you here who is joining us here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast, the brand new live edition. This is every Tuesday now, folks. Every Tuesday, SP3 and I, we have decided uh, that we would rather get some sleep at night and then give you all a better show on Tuesday afternoon when we're refreshed, when we've had time to think about what it is that we watched on an episode of Monday Night Raw, I think it just makes for a better all, better overall show, better overall performance, and more importantly, it allows SP3 to not be in a room with his sleeping kids while he's doing an episode, so that makes the show even better. And it's our 100th episode today already, so thank you to everybody who has joined us along this journey so far and believe in pro wrestling. 100 in the books as of today. We got a lot more coming at you. But SP3, you seemed pumped, you seemed happy, you seemed refreshed on this Tuesday afternoon. Yes, because I didn't have to stay up till 4 a.m. here in the UK to watch an episode of Raw. You know how much better it is to watch an episode of Raw without having to wait through commercials? And especially, oh my lord, that third hour of Raw, I I honestly would have told Rick I quit if I had to stay up. <laughs> At three a from three a.m. to four a.m. for that final hour of Raw because honestly, they they I think uh, my good friend from Wrestle Talk Luke Owen put it the best in his review over there. They stretched fifteen minutes of of Raw, fifteen minutes of actual live content on that last hour. They stretched it for an hour. They didn't know what they were doing after Shinsuke Nakamura and Riddle versus the Usos. That should have been the main event. Just want to say, it should have been the main event. They didn't know what they were doing after it, so they stretched it thin. So I'm happy with the fact that I w- was able to wake up this morning and watch it, digest it, and now we're here live with all the great people. Welcome. Yes, and we got Delwyn and Joshua and our boy Jose and Queen in the chat. We appreciate you guys. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us uh, here as always. Uh, and you know, I, I got to agree with you, man, because like. There's always that lull on Monday Night Raw. I got kids. I got two jobs. So about 9, 30, 10 o'clock, I'm on the couch sitting here wondering, do I really want to stay up till midnight trying to do this show? And then when we do that, I'm brain dead and I, I say stupid things and I can't put two sentences together. And it's, I just, like I said, I think it's going to make for a better show doing it live. But my goodness, man, I think I fell asleep about 9, 30, 10 o'clock last night, tried as I might to get to the end of that show. And I woke up this morning to rewatch what I missed. And I'm going, this is it. This is all I missed over the last hour and a half of the show. You didn't miss anything. Okay. I mean, they closed it out with Lashley and Omos last night. Like, that's a choice, right? Like, that that's a choice. I, I'm not saying it's a good choice or a bad choice, but it is certainly a choice. Uh, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on Lashley and Omos. What we are going to spend some time on is Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins, who had the best go-home angle of the night, and I think the best go-home angle that WWE's put together in quite some time. I got to touch on WWE's overall uh, production as well because Liv Morgan had to do something last night that no performer should ever 
ever, ever, ever have to do. We actually had some matches added to the Hell in a Cell card, which is good on them. Nice of WWE to remember that they have a pay-per-view uh, coming up this weekend. Excuse me, premium live event coming up this weekend. I have a question, though. Are we actually going to get any SmackDown matches added uh, to this card? We'll talk about that and so much more. Dave Meltzer's got a report out about the Women's Tag Team title tournament. Or maybe I should say lack of a women's tag team title tournament. There is so much to dive into. But first things first, got to thank our friends over at Bet Online, the continued number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find out all the latest odds, news, sports developments for NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball fights, NFL futures. It's all there. Bet Online, your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and fan-favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's real easy to get started, folks. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device. Sign up. Use our promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And SP3, let us start with Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins, uh, who reached a boiling point last night. There was one point where Cody Rhodes literally said, there is nothing left to say. Allow me to take one of my three-piece suit off here and let's throw down. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, and I'm glad that they didn't kind of leave it at, at Seth Rollins just kind of laughing and giggling on his way out of there thinking he got one over because it wouldn't have made much sense for Cody Rhodes to go, what's stopping me here? There's three ropes and a barricade. That's it. It wouldn't have made much sense for Cody Rhodes then to not bust through the three ropes and the barricade to go after Seth Rollins. And then we got a really, really good brawl. Not all the, the security in the world uh, could pull those two guys apart last night. But, man, it was the promo exchange beforehand, right? Like, I have been waiting for these two to kind of get into that, that, that dive deep personal angle, what's really at the heart of the issues between these two. And, and Cody Rhodes, you know, he's, he's talked about his issues, and it's not really a lack of liking or respecting for Seth Rollins. It's a jealousy thing with Seth Rollins. That's always been the case with him. He's talked about... Seth being one of Dusty's kids. And, uh, you know, we got that in the media scrum. And he, when he answered my question, he's told that to other people as well. So the history between these guys is well documented. And we really kind of knew Cody's side of it, even though he hadn't really said it quite out on TV until last night. So it was great to hear that for them to dive into that history. But then for Seth Rollins to hit back and finally unveil his motivations behind this, the fact that he hates that Cody Rhodes has been welcomed back into WWE with open arms after he and his friends went out to destroy the company that Seth Rollins had been building behind the scenes and, and elevating, right? And the he's always been that flag bearer for WWE, and he hates the fact that Cody Rhodes is going to take a sledgehammer to the throne and think he's going to come back and claim it for himself now six years later. I loved Cody's promo. I loved Seth's promo. And I think I speak for the entire WWE universe. And I say this directly to WWE creative. More of that, please. Because that was very good shit last night. The best promo from Seth Rollins in quite some time. That was a masterclass. And I found it hilarious that Seth Rollins, the man who says references to to wwe on aew reek of desperation they were desperate to get some heat on this cody Rhodes and seth rollins viewed ahead of hell in a cell so he had to he had to go against what he what he said before and he had to make references to aew i know there's been certain sites who put it up 
uh, redacted did that and they put it out wrong. He, he, they, it, what Seth exactly said is that it didn't work out for you so well. So you had to run back here. They left out the you so well. It just yeah. didn't work out. No, it, there's very specific lines where he said it didn't work out for you so well. So that was kind of pulling back the curtain a little bit as well. Just that one little line because it didn't work out for Cody so well. What he had in mind for AEW is the re it, the, the fact that Tony kind of took over, kind of yep. led to him coming, coming here to WWE. So I love the Seth Rollins promo. This was just a whole another level this was the type of promo that i was hoping for when he was feuding with roman reigns where we can hear a little bit of the real life stuff that's the type of things that resonate with fans that's going to make that promo memorable and then yeah like the like you said the brawl was intense it felt like an actual bitter rivalry between these two guys and they've done a couple of angles since wrestlemania backlash you know seth costing him the united states championship seth taking the belt from the fan and whooping him last week but this is the first time this felt like a feud worthy of hell in a cell i love the pull apart brawl and the fact that you know it blends in nicely to what we're going to see on sunday that they can't brawl all over the place they can't go into the crowd it's going to be within the confines of devil's playground the hell in a cell this feels like a main event program and it feels like it's appropriate that this is going to end things off on sunday of the night and of this feud you know it and it gave you it gave you the reason why Cody Rhodes wanted this match as well. Cody's promo was very good, but like like everybody is saying in the chat, and like I'm saying, Seth Rollins was just a whole nother level. Like we expect this from Cody. This is what Cody's been doing yep. from AEW through to he's been back here in WWE and he speaks like he doesn't speak like every other WWE superstar. Seth Rollins kept that energy that Cody had set in that precedent and he took it to another level here. Yeah, and look, man, and give Cody credit like he's he's cut very very good promos, but for the most part they've all been very very different and he has tried to progress this storyline week in and week out. And, you know, I'll say this as as a guy who loves Becky Lynch and who loves Asuka, I mean, their promo exchanges, they've been great, but they've basically been the same thing the last three three weeks. I mean, it's like there's been not a whole lot uh, of progression there. And I think part of that might have to do with the fact that this wasn't the plan, you know, to do this triple threat match, even though it should have been in the first place. So for the fact that they have been able to keep this fresh and to keep this going and growing to this point, to where now this is going to be the third match between these guys in two months, and I'm genuinely excited to to watch it, even though I think Cody Rhodes is going to win. He probably should uh, win this and come out on top, but maybe they finally feed Seth a bone here because they've been they've been booking him to lose a lot of big matches for the better part of two years now. I mean, I can't remember like the last huge match that that he's won i mean he beat edge one time right like that was a that was an actual rubber match right so they had to go that was on that was on a smackdown though like when did you have to go way back to the last time seth won a major match on pay-per-view it's been quite some time since then so maybe they throw him a bone here and maybe we see these two guys square off again at money in the bank inside the money in the bank ladder match i do mean because you know either one of these guys could come out of this pay-per-view at hell in a cell win lose or draw and claim that you know they're they're right in there for for a title shot so you know 
Hell, I would love to see any program surrounding Roman Reigns in a title shot at this point because we haven't since they put both the belts on him. Uh, so I think that's, you know, I think that's where a lot of people are with this pay-per-view on Sunday is like, all right, these matches should be pretty good. And maybe we'll be a little bit more excited about that. We'll ask that coming up here on the five count. But man, it'd be nice to get through this pay-per-view here that WWE is just using as a supplemental premium live event and get to get to the real shit. Heat up this post-WrestleMania season, for the love of God. Uh, but this is about as well as you can get between these two guys. Uh, loved every second of this last night, and uh, I'm really, really enjoying it. Guys, if you want to get your comments in, questions in, uh, throw them up there. We'll try to get to them, as many of them as possible. Kyle uh, saying here, Bianca as champion has been an afterthought uh, ever since WrestleMania. Becky's been great. I can see her walking out with the championship. What is WWE doing with Bianca? Um, I think Bianca feels like an afterthought. And I'm not saying she does feel like an afterthought, but I think it, people think that way. It's because WWE had to pivot with what their plans were with her uh, because the plans were to her for her to face Naomi at Hell in a Cell and, and beat her. And I think that would have been a central focus. And then Becky and Asuka would have been having their own program separate from that. But the second then Naomi walked out and they had to pivot, they were going to do this triple threat match. Well, then you had to spend a couple of weeks building up to who's going to be in this match. And then they started adding in Bianca. And I think it's just it's all it all comes down to timing. And that's why Bianca has felt um, maybe like an afterthought uh, to some people like Kyle there. I mean, had she has kind of felt like an afterthought. But I think that, again, it's all coming down to timing here for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to fault them for anything like that. I think that they made the wrong decision yes. uh, dating back before WrestleMania backlash when they didn't put her and Sonya on that pay-per-view when yep. that pay-per-view only had other one other women's match. I think that we probably wouldn't feel anyone wouldn't feel like that. I don't technically agree with that uh but i think that the reason that you feel like that is because she wasn't on the last pay-per-view she's not really the focus on this pay-per-view even though you know that matchup their build-up got the first portion the first 30 minutes of last night's show um so i can understand that i mean the women's division until last night had been in the main event what four straight weeks uh so i mean one of, to be fair one of those weeks was a three minute Oscar and Bianca Belair match. So. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. That's true because they did have that matchup, and then Becky interfered really, really quickly. So, yeah, a lot of this has been rushed. A lot of this has been hastily thrown together, and a lot of it, I think, comes down to poor planning on on WWE's part, which is something that we're going to get into here coming up soon. But trust me, Bianca is going to have. I don't think there's a chance that Becky Lynch is winning on Sunday. We'll dive into that more this coming Friday, by the way, when we do our Hell in a Cell prediction show with Connor Casey from comicbook.com. Looking forward to having him on the channel, him making his debut, and to see if he believes that he can beat SP3 in a trivia challenge. SP3 is, hey, you're on a winning streak, man. You're overcoming the odds. You are. I know. You are the Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, whatever you want to call him, of, of, of this program. You are overcoming the authority at all steps. Overcoming your bs officiating and the fact that i always get these questions that are from years past while the per the other person gets a question what happened last year at this pay-per-view that we're talking about <laughs> oh well, of course they're gonna remember everything that happened last year jesus hey i gave i gave doc a hard one last time didn't i i gave him a hard one 
No, you did. You gave me the question from Double or Nothing 2019 and then gave him the question for the main event of the 2020 <laughs> Double or Nothing. I'm like, you gave me the buy-in match from a pay-per-view three years ago and you gave the other guy a question from a pre- from the main event two years ago. I'm sorry. It's odds are the guy who, the, the person who's going to get the answer right is the guy who's getting the question about the main event. But, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, you have stated before that 90s, you know, that that's your wheelhouse, right? Like, you, you're you well-documented. You're a historian. You're 20, a historian. 2000s. 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 I mean, I guess that is 20 years ago at this point. So, gee, 22 years ago uh, at this point. Um, I see you guys bringing up MJF in the chat. Do not worry. We will get to MJF. Uh, that is for sure as the, the ever-changing cycle. Uh, that is this this MJF saga going on with AEW uh, and Tony Khan. I, I did want to bring this up real quick before we get into the five count. I was going to bring this up as a question, but this isn't even a question. All right. The WWE's overall production of Raw and SmackDown, it sucks. Just the formatting of it, the camera cuts of it, and what they did to Liv Morgan last night should never, ever happen to anybody who is being told to go out there and perform at the, at, at the highest level. Liv Morgan last night was introduced for a match with Rhea Ripley. Then they cut to commercial. Then they came back. They did another segment. They cut to another commercial, and her match did not start until 19 minutes after she was introduced. Who thinks that that's a good idea to structure a show by introducing somebody for the start of a match 19 minutes before the damn match starts? That is, it's, it's mind boggling to me. Like I get like, it's, it's kind of like the, the radio thing where like you say, oh, Hey, this song is coming up in five songs from now. So you keep people through, but that's what graphics are for. Say, Hey, our next matchup is Liv Morgan versus Rhea Ripley. You don't have to put Liv Morgan out in the center of the ring to have her look cute and everything. And then stand there in a dark ring for 20 minutes. Stop it. What are we doing? Your camera cuts. The way you, you remind us of things that happened 10 minutes ago, like everything about this makes it just irritating to watch the Monday Night Raw. If they did a complete overhaul about how they presented the show, I honestly don't think it would be perceived as bad as it has been in a, in a lot of circles. Like it just, there's just some, some minor little changes that they could make and make this a much more enjoyable product. It just has to be said because stuff like that's infuriating to me. Don't make ridiculous comparisons like AW doing pitcher and pitcher to WWE's awful pacing of their show. It's not the same thing. That's just you being a hater of <laughs> AEW. Let's be real. Let's be real. I, yeah, I'm gonna call him out, Daniel Price. That's yeah, just Daniel that's an awful. That's just the worst. That is that is by far the worst live comment we've had on any of these live shows. <laughs> That is the worst comparison that I've ever heard. You do, they will never, never do that type of pacing where they have someone introduced. The, the only thing comparable that AEW does is running down the card for 18 different shows with Excalibur in a matter of a minute. That's comparable yeah, minute. Yeah. to what, to what, that's like the kind WWE. of pacing we're talking about. Yeah, here. like yeah. don't be stupid. Please. And WWE's done picture in picture before, so let's not, you know, you know, 
let's not act like they haven't, you know, done done that same exact thing before. But you know, I actually appreciate AEW for showing as much of their matches as they do uh, in the picture in picture. But you know, that's that's just me. And again, my biggest gripe with WWE is still the camera cuts. There were less camera cuts and anarchy in the arena than there were that pull apart brawl between yeah. Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes last night. And that's just a matter of fact. Yeah. I mean, they don't. They don't stay on anything for longer than two and a half seconds. I get seasick watching this stuff. I get general motion sickness doing that kind of st- watching that kind of stuff. So there's there's a huge, massive overhaul uh, that needs to go and on with this. Daniel but, Price, you are stupid, and that's why you got blocked. Um, <laughs> but yes, um, <laughs> I'm having a great day. It's, I got energy today. I'm not used to having energy talking about Raw. But nah, that overall production, yeah, yeah, that was just horrible what they did to Liv Morgan. Poor Liv Morgan. And she went out there. They had a pretty good pretty good match but they had to they're there the time they were waiting in the ring was the same amount of time that, that the match was was longer yes. than the amount of time yeah, they yeah, had was, the exactly the match actually had less time Liv morgan was probably out there for 35 minutes maybe that maybe a half hour like nine of it was in the ring and yeah it ended up being a pretty good match and, you know, maybe we'll talk about Liv Morgan uh, coming up here in a minute. But we got a lot more questions to run down before that. Make sure to get your comments in as long as they're respectful. Unlike, what was his name? I already fro- forgot. Daniel, the Daniel, Hammer. Yeah, Daniel Block Price. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into this, shall we? It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. We did have two matches officially added to the Hell in a Cell card uh, this coming Sunday. On the cock, we got the mixed tag match that we all knew was coming. The Judgment Day against uh, AJ Styles, Finn Balor, and Liv Morgan. And then we also got added onto the card last night. I am having a brain part of the United States Championship match. Mustafa Ali is going to get a fair one-on-one United States Championship match after what we saw last night where he fought Tommaso Ciampa. Even though they both got the jobber entrance treatment again last night. Again, pacing 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 we ain't seen or heard shit out of Tommaso Ciampa he's just randomly around and it's it's he's just a dude right now Tommaso Ciampa is nothing more than a dude which is why I cannot wait for him to join Judgment Day if he is going to in fact join join Judgment Day and it needs to be this coming Sunday regardless Austin Theory doesn't let that match get much time he interferes beats up Mustafa Ali then gives him a United States championship match, beats him again. And then Adam Pierce says, nah, we're going to get a fair one-on-one contest. So we're actually going to get the United States title on this card on Sunday. Great. Two new matches. You card- asked for that. What? You asked for, you asked for the big card titles to be on the pay-per-view. Yes, please. If you're not going to put the WWE or Universal Championships on there, please put a mid-card title on there. But the question is, do these do anything to uh, up your excitement level for this pay-per-view, which I think for a lot of people, as I alluded to earlier, their excitement level is for it to be over and not necessarily to, to, to watch the damn thing, which is no indictment against the talent, by the way. It's all against WWE creative. I mean, they do have some interesting matches on the card. Uh, I think I think if it gets time, Theory versus Ali will be really good. Uh, the judge, uh, Judgment Day versus... Uh, the Bull Live Club uh, will be a lot of fun. 
I the the three way between Bianca Belair, Asuka, and Becky Lynch has all the potential to be great and one of the best matches from WWE all year. And Cody Rose and Seth Rollins, it, like we've said at the beginning of this show, they have a hot rivalry right now. Arguably, now not arguably, they have the best rivalry in WWE at the moment. So I think that one is going to deliver based on what they what they delivered at WrestleMania, which I still think is the WWE match of the year so far. And WrestleMania Backlash was a fantastic sequel. And I think this one will be just as tremendous. So I think the card overall is going to deliver. But as far as excitement level, I'm at like a six. I'm at like a six. Maybe yeah. the, the Judgment Day versus Bullet Club. That that raised it from a five to a six yeah, as well as far as the new matches. Yeah, and I think that's that's the case for me. I'm actually gonna go to about a six point five because I'm happy that they put the United States title in there. I think my I think my issue is that a lot of these are very, very predictable. Now, predictable doesn't always mean a bad thing, because I think we expect Cody Rhodes to win, but I think that's one of the the, the bigger toss-up matches, honestly. I don't think there's a prayer Bianca Belair loses uh, the the Raw Women's Championship on Sunday. I don't think there's a prayer that Austin Theory loses the United States Championship. And I honestly, as much as I would want it on Mustafa Ali, I don't think the timing is right right now because you've already been playing hopscotch with that damn thing for so long. And that would basically mean that Austin Theory's run doesn't mean a damn thing. And I was hoping that he could actually give this thing a, a, a nice, actual, meaningful title run because they have been putting so much into Austin Theory. So I don't think he's losing on Sunday. And then your other two toss-up matches are Kevin Owens and Ezekiel. Okay, cool. And then this handicap match that somehow I think Bobby Lashley is going to find a way to win by by beating MVP. So totally. that was the main event segment. I totally forgot that's on the card. I totally like like did like the men in black pen, and I was just like, man. After watching that segment, I was just like, oh, let me forget it. You've been neuralized, son. Yes, exactly. Like. And, and and great, like Delwin says, like, I can't wait to see KO versus Ezekiel. And I think the buildup to KO versus Ezekiel has been great. Uh, but this is something that Sid and I have, have talked about on this show and others before. I can't remember the last Elias or Ezekiel match that has really kind of like wowed me. So it's like a bell to bell. He's he's OK. He's he's fine. He's not anything splashy or spectacular, but he hasn't had a chance to really showcase that either. So maybe this is his moment. The last Elias match that I could say was really good was Elias versus Seth Rollins at Money in the Bank 2018. It's been four years since I could say Elias or his brother had a had a very good borderline great match. You want so, to talk about Neuralizer. I don't remember that happening at all. At all. Not at all. Queen bringing That's this fair. up. Did you all see the uh, Becky and KO segment on Raw Talk? That was gold. It was gold. And I'll tell you what. Was there was funny. an interview. There was an interview that happened uh, at the WrestleMania uh, press junket. I believe it was on Wrestling, uh, where they were interviewing Becky and Kevin Owens came up and interrupted her. And they just started screaming at Bianca Belair together. That was absolute gold. Like, again, just let these people who work well with one another who do really good stuff that you throw randomly online, put that on television. That's so much better than a lot of the stuff that they put out there. It's insane when you just let people be themselves who work well with one another. 
and just put it out there and you're going to put a, a, a much more enjoyable product on there. I forgot what the question we were even on. We're on number one still. Uh, I'm going to bump it up to about a, a six and a half, uh, I would say, just because I think a lot of these matches are uh, predictable. Uh, but as Kyle asked here, Kyle asked earlier on, I didn't bring this up because, hey, I think you're reading my mind here because I'm moving on now uh, to number two here on the five count. This might actually require some actual direction for Friday night, but are we going to get any SmackDown matches added to this card on Sunday or are we stopping at six? Is it just going to be a nice two and a half hours, six hour pay-per-view? I mean, six match most, pay-per-view, excuse me. Most of WWE pay-per-view or premium live events lately, if it's not WrestleMania, it's been six to seven matches. So at best, I think we might get one. SmackDown match, Madcap Moss is coming back on SmackDown, so maybe they add Madcap Moss versus Happy Corbin in some type of stipulation match, but definitely SmackDown don't have any matches to give us more than one Hell in a Cell match, which I'm fine with. I'm fine with Hell in a Cell having the main event as the Hell in a Cell match. That's perfectly fine in my regards. Uh, Ronda and Raquel, I see Queen Mo saying, maybe. Uh, Nakamura and Riddle versus the Usos. They did win last night, so maybe that gets them a shot, but that would feel rushed as yeah. well. So, and of course, I, I think that the main reason why they're probably not going to put that on Hell in a Cell is the whole change in the graphic to Money in the Bank. We don't know if Roman Reigns is going to be on that show anymore, so they might save that Usos versus Riddle and Nakamura for Money in the Bank now. So, there is so many things that are just up in the air and, you know, the change to money in the bank has caused a lot, probably a lot more changes than we even know at this time. So I would, I would be perfectly fine with a six match card, give it, give everything a whole bunch of time, give the, the six, the, uh, the mix six tag, the, uh, mix mixed person tag give that plenty of time give the hell in a cell plenty of time give bianca becky and oscar plenty of time and then everything else can be done in 10 to 15 minutes and that's a good pay-per-view i think i think think after seeing the marathon that we got on (laughs) sunday less is more a lot of pay-per-view yeah i think i think i'll be perfectly fine with a two and a half hour pay-per-view uh, a lot is uh, less is more. So you're sitting there talking about, right? Like the money in the bank changing everything. And then you throw in the Sasha and Naomi situation, which we have an update on that from Fightful Select that I'll get to in a second. You know that meme where the guy's just sitting at his desk and he does this? I think that's exactly what happened uh, with WWE is they just took all their plans for the summer and just chucked them in the air. And I think that's very evident based off of what we have seen on SmackDown in the last few weeks, because SmackDown the last couple of weeks, since this whole Sasha Naomi thing has just felt directionless, has just felt fly by the seat of their pants, and it's not just uh, in the women's division. I think it's it's everywhere. There's not a real clear process for anybody who who is on that show on a regular basis la- right now, unless they're feuding with somebody from another brand. Uh, Dylan brings up the possibility here of Happy Corbin versus uh, Moss or Raquel versus uh, Ronda. Uh, I think Corbin versus Moss is a pretty good bet uh, to get added to this card again, especially because Moss is going to have his his big return this coming Friday in Columbus. And there have been reports that he's going to be repackaged and maybe for the love of God, lose the suspenders and maybe actually get some trunks or something like that. Turn him more into a, a more serious baby face uh, type role. So that would be good. 
I think the other one, though, if I'm looking for a match to add, let's break the damn streak. I'm talking about mid-card championships. Ricochet, Gunther, Intercontinental Championship. Put it on the card this Sunday. Go ahead and put the damn strap on Gunther because you're going to do it anyway. You haven't been doing anything with Ricochet as a champion. I, I love Ricochet. You can read me all the reports about him being the number two baby face on the brand right now, but that ain't gotten him much other than a championship that he has pretty much just been holding on to while he's been talking to Drew Gulak backstage or Aaliyah or anybody uh, backstage for that matter. So you're not doing anything with it still. Obviously, Gunther is a guy that you have one of the guys that you have some direction for one of the guys that you're actually invested in. Put the damn belt on him on Sunday and let's just freaking go. Let's just go. That's the match that I would add. But probably, I think if it's not those two, I don't see. I don't see a, a women's title match. I don't see. I don't think WWE is going to be in a rush for this event, even though it's in Chicago. Even though it should be a bigger event, it's got premium live event written all over it. I don't see WWE thinking that this is important enough to put Ronda Rousey on this card. I just don't. So I think if we get one or two matches, I think it's going to be Intercontinental Championship match, and I think it's going to be Happy Corbin and Matt Cat Moss to maybe get us to eight, maybe. That, that is a shame, though. That's going to be two back-to-back pay-per-views. We only have one one women's match. Well, we have two, really, with Liv and uh, yes. Rhea in the mixed person, but like one major you know, all-women's matchup. It's been one per, paper, one per premium live event. Still not used to that. Uh, for the first two <laughs> since WrestleMania. Yeah, I and I'm a little disappointed they didn't go ahead and put that six mix into the uh, inside Hell in a Cell. I, w- I would have loved to have seen them actually put that inside Hell in a Cell. I'm not sure it's at the level where it it's devoted to it, but if you got a pay-per-view that's named after the damn thing, there should be more than one on the card, shouldn't there? Um, I'm, on, I'm okay with it, honestly, because at least with the, the Seth and Cody, this is the blow off of their feud. So it feels yeah. it feels like that should be the only Hell in a Cell. I felt I always felt when people were saying, oh, Bianca, Becky and Oscar should be in Hell in a Cell or this should be in Hell in a Cell. This is not the end of Judgment Day versus Bullet Club. This is not the end of Bianca, Be- Be- Bianca Belair, Becky or Becky and, and Oscar. So I feel like that's just unnecessarily putting a match in hell in a cell, which they have done in the past. And I think that people have just have accepted that and are trying to do that the same, but let's, let's give WWE credit. They're putting a match. That's the end of a feud inside hell in a cell. They made the right decision. At least we think it's going to be the end of that feud. You never know. As they love to say, never say never. Dave Meltzer's out with a new report today says uh wwe's women's tag team title tournament is pretty much dead in the water already because they don't know what to do with that women's tag team title tournament which makes me ask how is it this hard for them literally how is it this hard when you have a a, a stacked women's division still even after all the releases you have talent, more talent than you know what to do with. You have several members of the Raw roster you're just sitting on your hands with. How hard is it to just put a bracket together? I could do this, and I have done this in my spare time, which tells you how big of a fucking loser I am that I'm spending my very little spare time going, oh, well, this could be interesting, and maybe they could go this direction. 
And then it's like the first report I see about this is like, oh, we're going to do three heel teams and a, a 24-7 title team that we're going to throw together with Tamina and, and Dana Brooke. And I'm sitting here going, no disrespect to any of those ladies, but who the hell am I supposed to root for out of this? Again, you had three heel teams and then Dana Brooke and Tamina. Are we supposed to root for Dana and Tamina in that situation? And now you're saying you've scrapped it reportedly or at least considering scrapping it or you're just at a loss because you don't know what to do it it shouldn't be this hard it should not be this hard i could put together eight different brackets tomorrow for wwe and pitch it to them if they really wanted to you've already put together one bracket more than them yes i did i tweeted it out i thought it was pretty good i think there's a lot of storylines you could do around this and i think the clear cut decision to do is unify the tag team championships, because that would alleviate a lot of your damn problems. Uh, you could fill out one side with the NXT superstars. Boom, there's four teams for you right there. Now we got to come together and find four new teams. Okay, you already got Nikki ASH and Dewdrop, even though you've had them lose to Alexa Bliss uh, ad nauseum the last couple of weeks. All right, fine. They're a tag team. They're in. Uh, you could do something where, have you called the Bellas? Have you seen if they're available? You could try to make this a, a really big thing by bringing them in, at least for the tournament. Are they available? Are they free? Have you called them? Do you care? Try that out. Maybe pick up the phone, see who's available. Beth Phoenix, what's she doing right now? She training? She in shape? You can put her up there with, with, with uh, what, what, what are you, what are you giving me the, the cutoff signal here? What are you, what are you, what are you doing? They're not available. They're not they're, available. They're not available. You know, they're that not for available. Sure. They, they hug up. They, they pressed ignore. <laughs> When WWE called, that's why they're out of laws. No, why would why would the Bella Twins? This woman was on freaking what? America's Got Talent as a judge. They they are mothers. Why would they waste their time on this division? WWE don't care about. I mean, this is a and that's the point. And that's that's the bottom line. It's not that WWE can't put together a bracket. It's not that they can't come up with storylines. They don't want to. They don't want to, which is asinine to me. Like, and you see this with a lot of their other championships. And that's my biggest gripe. That is my absolute biggest gripe with this. It's like they could come up with good stuff because we've seen them come up with good stuff if they care. If you're one of those golden six or golden four, I don't know. It's constantly changing. I mean, right now, I mean, if you look at the people that they're actually invested in, who would we say? Roman, Cody? Who else? Seth, at the moment? Not even Ronda, because Ronda's direct, directionless right now. Like, none of the, none of, not outside of maybe Becky Lynch, like, nobody else really feels like WWE is invested in them right now. That's it. That's all they're coming up with right now. And it's, it's sad. And it's like, I think they just want people to forget about those championships. Like, I would not be surprised if we never get this tournament and these titles just completely disappeared. Would not be surprised at all. How is it this hard? WWE caused their own issues. So that's why it's this hard. Yeah, we did get an update on Sasha and Naomi, by the way, uh, from Fightful Select, the latest on Sasha Banks and Naomi. Uh, currently, they are suspended. Duh. As of now, there is no end in sight. We were told by those in WWE that they have not heard much, if any, communication between the two sides. However, Fightful was able to confirm that WWE had canceled upcoming travel plans uh, they had for both women starting uh, last week uh, when the suspension happened. Uh, no confirmation of whether or not they're getting paid. Uh, another source indicated to Fightful that initially several in WWE did not 
want to vacate the women's tag team titles, but it became pretty clear quickly uh, that was the route that needed to be taken. We've heard no update on a potential tournament taking place. Yeah, you didn't want to strip the titles from them because you had no plans for them anyway. They were going to be a parking spot. And that was the issue in the first damn place. And once again, I say, maybe, just maybe, Sasha and Naomi had a damn point. Did they go about it the wrong way? Yeah, probably. Did they have a point? Yeah, absolutely. And it's time WWE looks in the mirror uh, on that one. You can't put together a bracket. You got, you got eight women on Raw you ain't doing shit with. I can put a bracket together tomorrow. Jeez, I can put a bracket together as soon as this show's over. Somebody call me. Somebody hire me. Jesus, I'm for sale. I ain't, I ain't that expensive. Shit. <sighs> PW Torch is out with a uh, report. Another shocking report. The WWE is interested in MJF. Ah, my goodness. WWE wants to pay him a ton of money to come over after his contract is up on January 1, 2023. Alert the media. Alert the media. An up-and-coming star, somebody who's as talented as he is, a 26-year-old. Yeah, WWE is interested in him. Cool. That's fine. That was going to be a duh. I'm pretty sure there's already some tampering going on because it happens in every damn sport. And MJF would not be holding Tony Khan's feet to the fire the way he is unless he could guarantee he'd be getting a fat paycheck after that contract expires. That's just pure reckless speculation on my part. That is not a report. Nobody type that out, please. But I woke up today and chose violence. So given everything that's been going on with MJF, SP3, I'll ask you, more likely to happen first. Maxwell Jacob Friedman wins the AEW World Championship or he wins the WWE Universal title. AEW World Championship because I'm pretty sure Roman Reigns will be the WWE Undisputed Universal Champion by the time my kids are <laughs> in high school. So at this point, <laughs> my kids are two years old, by the way. Um, so... Yeah, I'm pretty certain that will happen. So I would say MJF winning the AEW World Championship before Tony Khan lets him out of his contract is more likely to happen. I know that the latest report from PW Insider was the two men had uh, planned a meeting last night, um, maybe to take what's really going on and make it into a whole work and you can have your own version of the summer of punk or have mjf end the summer of punk at all out and start this whole run where he holds the title hostage and says that he's going with it to wwe and he's gonna throw it in the trash like there's all possibilities but i just don't see how mjf comes signs with wwe and skips ahead of you know Cody Rhodes and Drew McIntyre and Braun Breaker and there's there's like two or three guys that I would say are ahead of him so even if he does sign with WWE I think he has to get in line behind those guys but I would say that MJF may become the first guy to ever win both the AEW World Championship and WWE Universal Championship. That would be very interesting. And this this is a hard question, right? But you know, reckless speculation. This part is this this is part of the job that's fun, right? Like 
everybody just leaving WWE and going to AEW. That's not fun for me. It, the the real war w- officially got underway the second that Cody Rhodes signed his name on the dotted line and showed up at WrestleMania, right? Like what, what number we just have? 38. When he showed up at WrestleMania 38. All right. That was when it was like, all right, ladies and gentlemen, game on. And what a perfect big fish for that to happen. Like the never say never that that means something. So Cody jumping over, that was huge. I loved it. Um, now it's game on to see who comes over next. And that was the most intriguing part of the PW uh, Torch report was that MJF is well aware of how well Cody Rhodes is being port- treated and portrayed on television, which is something that we talked about on this program was going to be very, very important to bringing in high po- profile free agents from AEW. So again, I think for, for MJF, knowing that they're interested, which I'm sure he does, knowing that they're going to have a big bag, he's got to know that he's going to come in and be treated very, very well as well. So it's going to be interesting. What can Tony Khan do? What can Tony Khan do to keep him happy? What are MJF's other motivations other than, you know, the almighty dollar? Is it is there enough that he can do creatively to keep him happy inside of AEW? That is a question I don't know. I don't have the answer to. So right now, Just to watch the world burn in case anybody's watching this. I'm going to say WWE Universal Champion first. I think that's going to happen. I think MJF is going to go the entirety of his contract unless he gets let out of it early by 2023. And he is not going to win the AEW World Championship. I think somebody we're going to talk about here in a minute may may jump the damn line in front of him. We may have just had an Infinity Stone plucked out of the world, right, with MJF's contract, and now we got a nasty alternative reality that's been born, all right, where MJF never wins the AEW championship. We might be there. I'm actually really proud of that analogy. But anyway, uh, we might be at that point. And if if MJF is going to come over, and I really, honestly, I hope he does at this point because, as I talked about, I want more people in this company, in WWE, that they are actively interested in and invested in and are willing to book properly and cody rhodes was a big again big fish you had to treat him right and it's nice to see that he's being portrayed as a star so mjf coming over you got to figure like he's going to get the same amount of treatment uh over there especially with the amount of money that they're reportedly wanting to pay him so yeah give me that give me all of that i think i'm going to choose wwe universal title but i have the uh, right to change my opinion uh, within the next few weeks, uh, if we bring that question up again. But right now, I don't see how this gets resolved between him and Tony Khan. They're going to have to sit down and figure something out. One more question here, again, just because I like to watch the world burn. Yes or no, now that Wardlow is free of MJF and is officially signed to All Elite Wrestling, uh, as kayfabely speaking, will he become the AEW World Champion before the end of 2023? Incidentally, when Maxwell Jacob Friedman's contract Inspires in early 2023. I'm yeah, sorry, yeah, 2023. Before I had told a lot of people, like I, I give credit where credit's due. My good brother from an Irish mother, Alex McCarthy, suggested this long ago that MJF should win the AEW World Championship and Warlow should beat him for the championship. I before I was like, no, no, maybe that's that's too soon to happen. You know, Warlow still needs to get his, you know, feet wet, needs to get some momentum behind him. That momentum's there. Yeah. He's gotten his feet wet. He's shown himself to be a surefire um baby face who has a ton of momentum right now. So 
honestly, I would not mind if MJF becomes the AEW world champion and Wardlow is the man to dethrone him. I think that that would be great booking and it's going to be a great moment for Wardlow as he is kind of a fully organic baby face that AEW has built from the ground up. Like Hegman Adam Page's story started precedes all elite wrestling. You know, even when he cuts promos, his fired up promo ahead of his main event with double or nothing, he talked about how he was a lowly bullet club member who has, you know, come up and shined and evolved into the AEW world champion. So his story started before AEW. The story of Warlow started in AEW and it needs to end with him becoming the AEW world champion. So I'm going to say yes. By the end of, of 2023, he will become AEW world champion. Honestly, depending on how well he is booked and how, and if the momentum continues to carry, because Tony Khan, right? Like he laid it out. He knew his, who his first four world champions were going to be the second he started off the company. Obviously, if he had plans up to five, those altered with the fact that CM Punk came into town and, you know, needed to put the belt on him. Um, I don't know if Tony could have expected. Wardlow to explode the way that he has, but if he has got this kind of momentum behind him and it continues to build and build and build, you got to put gold on him sooner rather than later, whether you start off with the TNT championship or you make him the world uh, heavyweight champion. Don't forget, this is a guy who dominated CM Punk, who beat CM Punk and had him beat on multiple occasions. And the only reason he lost that damn match was because of MJF in the first place. So I think there there's a catalyst right there for where Wardlow, if Punk eventually does turn heel, he could be the guy to take it off of Punk. I would not be 100% surprised if he wins it before the end of this year, to be completely honest with you. I think he's ready, but you just put it on Punk. So it all depends on how long you want to keep it on him. And again, you know, we we didn't really dive into who could beat him for it. And we wanted to enjoy this punk ride. Cause it's part of the reason why hangman's title reign felt flat to a lot of people. Cause we are already waiting for what was next. I think Wardlow might be next. I'm going to say hell yes to this. He will be a champion by the end of 2023. I was, I almost made this question by the end of 2022. Cause I do think uh, that there's a chance that that could, could happen, but I'm not willing to bet on it. One for the road. Uh, we had a big uh, 10-man tag team match that was announced uh, for AEW uh, Dynamite tomorrow. Uh, that has now been changed to an eight-man tag. Both Adam Cole and Jeff Hardy have been pulled from the match, and reportedly Jeff Hardy is not doing well. This is not a, a shocking report by anybody who watched Double or Nothing on Sunday. It definitely felt like the other three men in that match kind of carried him across the finish line. He just seemed off. Uh, and I believe this was uh, so many reports I read today, Wrestling Observer, uh, who said that this all stems back to the, the Darby Allen match that he had, that he has just not been right since then. And that timeline matches up very well because there has seemingly been something with Jeff Hardy that has been off uh, for the last few weeks. And I think I, I applaud them for pulling him from this match if he ain't right right now. So, yes, you got through the elite versus elite. It still managed to be a great match, even with Jeff Hardy, not even close to 100%. But the question has to be asked, man. And I'm not saying that he needs to change his style or he shouldn't be who Jeff Hardy is, what's made him great. But just a little bit, right? Like, maybe not take some of those crazy-ass bumps on a random Wednesday in May. Like, maybe like it's time to just ground him a little bit. Slow him down here a little bit. 
his bump card has got to get full eventually. Everybody's does. When you take the uh, kinds of bumps that this man does, you're AEW. You're paying the Hardys, man. You got to protect your investment. And I think they're doing that part of the way here on Wednesday. But don't you think he's got to slow it down just a little bit here? 100%. I think so. He, he, this man came into the company and within two weeks of being in his second match, he took a swanton. He did a swanton bomb off a building. Off a off a ledge in a building, like his his second match in the company, his third or fourth match, he's doing a swanton bomb off of a ladder through a table on a random Wednesday. Like, yeah, like you you, I think they kind of blew their load within like a month and a half of having Jeff Hardy. They was like, we got Jeff Hardy, we gotta do gotta do crazy stuff, and you know, knowing Jeff, he's gonna be like, I want to do crazy stuff, but exactly has to be like. Jeff, we we need to sit you down. You need to save these bumps for the the stuff that matters. If they yes. if he had taken off a month and not been in the Owen Hart Cup, I think that the match with the Young Bucks would have been even better. But the fact that he's been wrestling so often, the first half of that match, it just looked off. It looked like he wasn't all there. He wasn't, you know, he was moving slow. It just it looked like it hurt him to walk. So yeah. yeah. It is time to slow him down. I wouldn't say grounded, but slow him down a bit. Yeah, like, and we saw WWE kind of implementing this in, in a lot. Like, at house shows, he stopped doing the Swanton Bomb and started doing a splash, right, as his finisher. And they didn't have him wrestling as much. And it seemed like maybe they weren't wanting to push him for whatever damn reason. But maybe it was a lot to do with this, where they they wanted to have Jeff Hardy in the company, but they you know they didn't want to risk his health at a certain point. Maybe that had something to do with it, because again, it appears as though you do have to kind of step in with Jeff and say, "Look, man, we love that you're ready to run through a brick wall for us." And maybe Tony Khan, as a wrestling fan, was like, "Hell yeah, dive off of a of a a, a high rise through a table onto a concrete floor because you're Jeff fucking Hardy." Maybe the wrestling fan, Tony Khan, said yes, but the wrestling promoter, Tony Khan, probably should have said, maybe save that bump for double or nothing. Maybe save that bump for, you know, a, a huge, you know, stadium show if we ever get to that point. Don't do that on a random Wednesday in May. All right. I get you want to run through a wall for your fans, but you also just signed this contract. You want to be around for a while. All right. Maybe you got to elongate your career by doing less in the meantime to get to that point. And honestly, maybe WWE hurt him a little bit by, by keeping him inactive. So long we, we heard about Kurt angle, right? Kurt angle talked about that. Whereas like WWE didn't wrestle him and he basically, he stiffened up. So maybe Jeff is stiffened up here a little bit. Hell, I've talked to John Moxley and he said, Hey, look, it takes me an hour and a half to stretch and get loose <laughs> for these damn matches. And he is not, uh, in, in that stratosphere, as far as age range is concerned, so man, this this shit takes a toll on you. Please, Jeff. I remember when Jeff took that bump in Hell in a Cell against Randy Orton, and I'm like, stop doing this. And that was four freaking years ago. Please, Jeff. I love you too much. Like, just slow it down, just a little bit, just a little bit. You don't you don't need to do all these crazy bumps all the time. Just save it for the double or nothing. Please, just save it for the double or nothing. We appreciate you guys tuning in to this uh, live edition. Every Tuesday, 2.15, we'll be here talking raw. When we're actually awake, I like to change. I like being able to go to sleep, do my shoot job, be awake for that. 
then come here down a cup of coffee and get that extra journal and going and ready to go. We appreciate you guys. Uh, make sure that if you have not subscribed to go ahead and hit that subscribe button, pound the thumbs up button. It helps grows our audience as well. And myself and Jeremy Bennett will be back tomorrow at our usual regular time, 7 a.m. podcast form. Uh, that'll be out as we talk about this huge NXT show tonight ahead of In Your House this weekend. The go home Ooh. to In Your House. Yeah. The go home to In Your House that has less matches than Hell in a Cell did before Raw last night. Woo. Hey, they'll have five by the end of the show. They should. They should absolutely have five by the end of the show. Appreciate you guys. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. We'll talk tomorrow. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.